Guys, welcome to Welfare in Warfare um, podcast series that I'm doing. And um, I wanted to take this session to think about uh, the whole idea of contentment uh, and um, I guess particularly that sort of rubs up against the the battle against covetousness. Like I say, with this series, um, it's specifically thinking about the welfare of our souls, specifically in light of Christian things, specifically in light of spiritual matters, biblical teaching. There's um, some really great stuff um, out there that's a bit more generic, that's, a, that, that's just kind of uh, good for all humans. Um, obviously, biblical truth is good for all humans, but... Um, as the Bible says, without the Holy Spirit, it, you can't really discern spiritual truths and things like this. So this teaching really is specifically for those of us who have embraced Christ, believed the gospel, and believe these things are true. You know, we, we look, we, we, we read the, the Bible's content and we go, yeah, this stuff matters. This stuff is actually central, um, not just to my eternal salvation, my eternal well-being, but also essential to my fruitfulness in this life, to my uh, being uh, an instrument in God's hands, um, to my, to my uh, being faithful to the Lord, to his calling, faithful, living a life uh, worthy of, 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 of his calling and, and all of that. So this, this content is kind of specifically geared uh, to believers and is particularly um, focusing on spiritual matters. Um, so I'm not saying that these aren't relevant for people that don't believe the gospel. They're relevant for everyone. But there's no way someone without the Holy Spirit is going to be able to grasp or believe this stuff. It will seem either ludicrous or outlandish or simply uh, uh, not true. Because it's stuff that is revealed by the Spirit in the Scriptures and you need to have the Holy Spirit in order to be able to... Uh, embrace it, receive it, engage with it. So particularly looking at this matter of contentment and uh, contentment is it's a fascinating thing. I think undoubtedly probably the, the best passage to go from will be Philippians where Paul gives us an insight into his own journey and it's an important word. Journey is a very popular word. I think we need to be careful with this word journey. I think sometimes we can use it so much that we, you know, you can never... Um, you can never refer refer to any decisive moments anymore. You know, it's not a journey for someone to be born again. Let's just be clear on that. Someone's born again in a moment. I'm not saying that there's not a journey that runs up to that of sowing seed and watering seed. Yeah, absolutely, there is. But there's a moment of faith where you know where you you, you come to know Christ. There are massive, huge moments, spiritual moments that God brings about. You know. Um, Salvation, conversion, baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, moments that God brings, what we might call kairos moments, moments in time, spiritually speaking. So we mustn't, we mustn't over-egg the journey thing, otherwise um, we, could, we could rob ourselves of um, these mighty moments in God. But nevertheless, obviously, discipleship itself is a journey where, you know, we're being changed from one degree of glory to another, um, absolutely. And, and Paul gives us a particular... Uh, insight into his journey to contentment and we find that in Philippians chapter 4 and he's speaking to the Philippians about money about them showing financial concern for him 
And then in verse 11, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, let's end with that final quote there. Very famous. That's a fridge magnet scripture, isn't it? The last bit there, the last one, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, there is something universal and encompassing about that promise. Absolutely. But let's not wrench it out of its context. The context is, Paul is talking about contentment. He's talking about Christ giving him strength to be content in any manner of circumstances, which shows you that it's it's a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural ability to be able to be content. It's not something that you can just muster up. It might be that you find yourself to be a pretty contented person, but it could be that also that your circumstances, the particular things that you've faced, um, may be suited to that in you. That may be why. Interestingly here, Paul covers the whole scope. He covers the scope of um, being brought low, and abounding. We know that there were times, we know that Paul knew a lot of influential people. Um, and so I'm sure that there were most definitely times where he found himself sitting at the table with it, where the good food is and other things like that. We, we, he, was, um, he wasn't a no-hoper, interestingly, in a worldly sense, or uh, at least in his world. As a, as a, before he became a Christian, as a Jew, he was doing really well. He was advancing really well above his contemporaries. He, he would have been top of the pile. He would have, he would have known uh, rich and influential people. He was a Roman citizen. Um, so, so Paul wasn't the sort of, you know, the guy sitting on the bench in the park drinking his life away. That's, that wasn't, that, you know, some of us would have been there. That wasn't Paul. Um, but also we know that there were times where he was naked, hungry, shipwrecked, that he spent the whole was it a whole night in the deep, in the ocean, floating after shipwreck. That that he was persecuted and um, bullied around uh, the Mediterranean by certain Jews who were opposing the message. So you know, actually, this is the point. Is is that Paul isn't speaking from theory here? Uh, he's and he's he's saying that, and so, and so you see, the point I'm making is is that some people are content. Because they got food in their stomach and they got a roof over their head, and they're they and they're all right with that. Um, take those things away, and it might be a different story. Or add to that, and it might be a different story. Fascinatingly, according to your temperament, some people are more content with less. Some people are more less content, less content with less, and more content with more. So there's but and so there's something wonderfully uh, all encompassing about this passage here, where Paul, who who has lived at both ends has made this comment that he has, he has found something, he's learned something, there's a secret that he's learned. So, so the first point we want to make here is that Christ has strengthened him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you're battling at the moment with discontent, there is power, strength from Jesus to help you to settle in your soul. Now, I'm not saying here, if you're hungry, you shouldn't be looking for food to eat, or if you're jobless, you shouldn't be looking for a job. 
I'm not talking about that. Don't hear that for one minute. But what I am saying is this. Is there something deeper than that in terms of the condition of your soul uh, that, that, that is being spoken about here in terms of this contentedness? The word actually means self-sufficient. So it's clear from the fact that Christ strengthens Paul to do this, that Paul isn't talking about a self-resourced self-sufficiency. He's talking about a Christ-resourced self-sufficiency. So what is this? Why, why is the word self-sufficient? Why did he use that word? What he's talking about is he's talking about apart from circumstances. That's what he means by self-sufficient, that all he's got is himself. He hasn't got clothes. He hasn't got this. He hasn't got that. He, there, there are moments where he's got nothing. There are moments where he's got plenty. Okay, uh, But he's learned to, within himself, find Jesus. That Jesus isn't dependent on how well his ministry is going. Jesus isn't dependent upon how, how full his stomach is. Jesus isn't dependent on how many people like him or don't like him. Actually, there's, he's learned to find strength and power in Christ totally apart from, completely independent of circumstances. Now, when you really stop and think about that, it should probably make you go, wow, that's, that's incredible. And it, it probably might make you think, where, where can I get that? And rightly so, it's a, it's, a great, it's a great thought. Where can I get that? Interesting here, though, there's, a, there's this, there's, again, there's this insight where, where Paul says, I've learned the secret. And we, we need to spend some time there. Because those two words, learned and the secret, give us tremendous insight. Number one, there's a process. He's learned it. There's a process. He's gone through times of being restless. He's gone through times of struggling, battling, where things haven't just sorted themselves out immediately. Where God hasn't simply answered his prayer at the click of a finger like a genie out of a bottle. Where the Lord's let him walk, walk through some things. He's, he's learned. There's something about learning that speaks of process. He's learned to find the sufficiency of Christ apart from circumstances through the circumstances in his life changing this way and changing that. He's learned it. He's grown into it. His stature spiritually has grown. He's developed. He's embraced the process. How, how many of us struggle to do this, struggle to embrace the process, struggle to allow that work of God, that fatherly training. You know that word discipline in Hebrews 12, this famous passage about God disciplining us that the word there means training so it does involve rebukes and things like that when we when we go wrong when we sin it does that's part of it but it's much wider than that it's about commit god committing to training us god committing to bringing us to maturity god god committing to bringing many sons to glory as it says i think in hebrews chapter 2 that there's a there's the working of god through circumstances god will allow situations and circumstances that squeeze you and that and that bring some level of discomfort never beyond what you can bear he always gives grace as we looked at in one of our other sessions but he will allow seasons of discomfort seasons of challenge of pressure seasons where you're stretched seasons where you have less than you're comfortable with seasons where you have more than what you're comfortable with. He will permit that 
in order why so that you might learn so there might be a learning that in the plenty christ is sufficient those things will never in and of themselves offer sufficiency in the plenty christ is sufficient and in the lack christ is sufficient you have to learn that that's not something you can just go okay you know really struggling to have you know uh, enough money to live the kind of lifestyle i'm used to living i'm feeling uncomfortable i'm worrying i'm panicking uh, what 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 do i you know what what do i do there's something in that moment to go through to learn it's not that you'd never ask for help i'm not going take talking about extreme things like this but i'm saying sometimes the lord will orchestrate circumstances in order to help you to learn contentment in him and the second thing is this is a secret it's not commonly known this isn't something that you that you just it's easy in the sense of easily accessible kind of oh yeah no sure we this actually is very very counter counterintuitive it butts up against this the sin of covetousness covetousness is a fascinating thing when we when we think about it we think about the ten commandments all of the other commandments they um I guess maybe you might say, uh, other than commandment number one, but they're very concrete, you know, they're very, um, you know, don't steal, you know, okay, they, there it is, there you go, just don't, just don't steal, you know, don't bring false witness, honour your parents, okay? it's, it's concrete, it's external act behaviour, um, it's not that it doesn't involve anything internal, of course it's deeper than that, but, you know, whereas covetousness, it's kind of one of those ones, it's just, it's, you know, because you can, you can cover someone's husband or cover someone's wife without actually committing adultery. You can cover someone's car um, or cover someone's jewelry without actually stealing. You can cover someone's reputation without actually making up lies and bearing false witness about them. You see what I mean? To cover means to desire, to long for someone else's stuff to the extent that you lose your peace. It, it it bends you out of shape. It's not it's it's different from seeing someone's jewelry and thinking that's really nice. Well, I really like that. If I had the money, I I might I might get one of those or I might get a pair of those. That that there's no that, there's no sin in that. It's different from admiring someone's husband or wife and saying, but well, they've 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 done really well there. They've 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 got a great partner. Um, he or she. Uh, seems to just you know be a real blessing to them um that's just that's just appreciating the blessing in someone's life um and 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 the like but it's when you begin to get um and that evil desire begins to grow i want that for me why should they have that i want that for me and actually this butts up quite closely with the whole subject of contentment it's a secret to learn. Our, our, our world is built on covetousness. Advertising, for, for a large part, not entirely, but for a large part, is kind of built on tapping into those desires to make you want more, to make you want more than you've got, to make you dissatisfied with your current situation so that you will reach for more, to make you feel you deserve more, to, to kind of arouse that discontent which causes you to... Um, Causes you to begin to reach for things from a place of discontent. Now, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with wanting to uh, better your lifestyle or 
to, to be aspirational. Don't hear what I'm saying. This is where we need to be discerning and sensitive to our hearts. Um, you know, there's nothing particularly spiritual about living in poverty. You know, don't hear that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that are we are we aspiring from a place of contentment in Christ? Are we delighted in Him? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. Are we delighted in Him? When we're praying for practical things, you know, is it is it with a view to just kind of um, satisfying our uh, sinful pleasures or sinful desires? As James says, you know, you don't have because you don't ask. Um, you ask and don't receive because you ask for the wrong motives to just spend it on pleasures and lusts. You, you're kind of all, you're just being driven by um, sinful desires. You see, this is the question he's asking. Paul says, I've learned the secret. There's a secret here. There's a secret that you have to walk through here. Now, this is so important when we think about our welfare because, you know, sometimes we're, we're not doing well. And we can say it's this and we can say it's that. But when you really drill down into it, what it is is, is that you're discontent. That's, that's what it is. And that's something I want us to think about and reflect upon in this session. Have you, have you learned that secret? Probably better to, probably more realistic, probably more encouraging to ask, are you learning the secret? Can you see that you're on that journey? Are you finding the Lord more and more sweet to your soul? Are you finding gospel, truth, forgiveness of sins, adoption, fellowship, with God, the matters of the kingdom, the the work of the kingdom, making disciples and investing into people. Are you finding these things increasingly satisfying to your soul, increasingly uh, enjoyable and fruitful? Are you finding just the, the tranquility of the presence of Jesus Christ in your soul increasingly valuable to your soul? Are you valuing it less and less? Are you are you, are you do you feel that your that the Lord Jesus is losing? He's shining in that sense in, in your soul. What's going on? These are really important questions to ask. Are, are the eyes, is the eyes of your heart, are the eyes of your heart being enlightened? As Paul prays in Ephesians 1, he prays, I pray that, the, that, that, that God will, the, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you will know, that you will know the riches of, of, his, of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that, that you'll know um, the power that's at work in you, that you'll know the hope that you have. He's, he's saying, I want your eyes to be enlightened so you can see the spiritual reality you've been brought into so that you can treasure that and love that and delight in that. That that can be actual meat and drink. And this is really important that we don't fall foul of that lie that says, oh, we've just been super spiritual. Come on, let's just get real here. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you've got no life in yourselves. This is as real as real can be. We don't want to make sure the gospel doesn't become like a phantom, like a mist, like a fo- like a mist in our lives that has no substance to it. Where we, we may read the Bible sometimes and sing some songs, but there's no substance to it. He is supposed to be the very substance of our lives. So much so that we can handle it when other circumstances don't work out as we would have hoped. It's not that we're necessarily happy. Sometimes it's devastating. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult, but we come through it. Why? Because we are learning the secret of contentment. We are learning to draw on the strength of Jesus to get us through. That, that's something that's happening in our souls. That's something that the Lord is doing. That's something that the Lord is 
um, working into us by his spirit. This is ever so uh, important here, ever so uh, powerful, really, for our lives. And as we looked at in one of our other sessions on those evil desires and how much of the, the battle with temptation is against those evil desires and how, how often those desires, uh, what, the, the makeup of those desires is, I want more. I want more of this. I want more of that. I want more recognition. I want more appreciation. I want more love. I want more respect. I want more intimacy. I want more money. I want more this. I want more that. And you, you know what? It's kind of like, it's like a lot of those desires in and of themselves, you know, they, they're not wrong. But they grow and they grow. So they dominate our our lives and our hearts in such a way that they are legitimately, they become evil desires because they begin to mean so much to us that we start doing ungodly things to get them and we start um, ordering our lives in a way that's just unbelief. We don't trust that God knows what's best for us, that he's got a schedule and a plan for our lives. We don't believe it. We might be able to quote it. We might sing it, but we don't believe it. So we, so we don't order our lives in light of it. We give way. We give way to unbelief. Um, the lies of the devil... God doesn't care. God can't do it. God won't do it. God's a sportsport. Whatever it may be, we give way to those lies. And then as such, um, when we walk out of the house of faith in that sense, then we just we just go and we, we create shacks, shacks made of doubt, shacks made of doubt and unbelief. We'll be going after this and we go after that and we're restless and we're not in a good place. And it's a spiritual issue. And God's word to us is learn the secret of contentment. Learn what it is to be resourced by Christ, to be self-sufficient, growingly. Growingly, I think there was one famous uh, theologian or pastor who said something like, you know what, the, the, the biggest, our biggest problem is, is that we can't sit in a dark room alone. And what he meant by that was, was that, we constantly are looking for things external to ourselves to um, stimulate us, enrich us. Uh, and, and you know what? Thank God. Thank God for the blessings that surround us. It's a wonder. Creation is a wonder. There's so many good things in life. These are good things to be enjoyed. But because, we're, because we are, because we carry sin with us and we are uh, frail and weak very often... Those things can so quickly begin to mean too much to us. They can so quickly become something beyond what God intended them to be. Bottom line, they can so quickly become God to us. Um, the thing which really does make us feel secure and settled and peaceful. And the Lord wants to rescue us from that because the Bible says that those who cling to worthless idols, they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. I'm going to do a session on... Um, idolatry as part of this series so I won't go into too much de uh, detail now but it's connected with this whole idea of contentment will will you learn the secret of Jesus being enough for you will you let the Holy Spirit draw you through or will you resist dig your heels in um, uh, argue <laughs> um, because it's it's too easy it's too easy to do that. And I want to encourage all of us to, to learn to be in that place of growing contentment in Jesus Christ. Amen.